Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. Today, Pastor CJ is honoring Labor Day with a message called Resting and Waiting. God never takes you on a dead-end journey. He is always leading you towards His best for your life. Are you willing to rest and wait on Him, no matter how long it takes to get the miracle? We hope you enjoy this message. I want to talk to you today about resting and waiting. Today, we recognize today is Labor Day. Labor Day is a time that we honor or recognize people of labor. Every one of you, in one way or another, you, you do some kind of labor. You work, maybe you're an independent contractor, maybe you're, you you know work for someone, but some way, somehow, it's the day that we recognize labor. We recognize those who labor, those who work. This is a day to give you a chance to relax, a chance to honor you and thank you for what you contribute to our country, to the people around you, to your factory, to your employer, to wherever it may be. It's an opportunity to give you a day to rest. And rest means to recoup or get refocused or get energized or get refreshed to prepare you or to launch you maybe into another journey, another adventure, or into just another week. So that's what rest is. But as you may know, we establish Labor Day as a holiday. But how many know that God established a day of rest Long, long time ago, well over 2,000 years ago, he established a day of rest called the Sabbath day. And the Sabbath day actually is today. Sunday is a day of rest that we come and rest, we come and worship, we come and honor the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We come and we make room, now get this, we come and we make room for God to visit us in our area of life. That God wants to come into your area, your temple, your space, and refresh you and touch you right where you're at. I don't know about you, but when my hands go up, the praises, man, go up to God, his blessings come down. So I always realize that when I come on the day of Sabbath, when my hands go up, when the praises go up, the blessings come down. So, man, the more I praise him, the more my hands go up and I surrender to get the victory, the blessings come down. I don't know about you, but sometimes we equate blessings. We equate blessings to a lot of times with financial gain. But God doesn't just give us financial gain. What God does, he gives us strength. He gives us maybe new wisdom, new ideas, new thoughts, new creativity. He gives us new things to help us in our journey to make us prosper in our lives. So a lot of times when we think of God's blessings, don't just equate God's blessings with financial gain. Equate God's blessings with many different things. One of the greatest blessings that God gives to us when our hands go up and our praises lift up, man, God's blessings come down. You know one of the greatest blessings that God gives to us every day is love. The greatest blessing that God gives you is love. I don't know about you, but how many of you ever said this word, I feel that I'm unlovable. I feel that I'm not lovable. I feel that maybe people don't like me. I feel that maybe my personality clashes with other people and I'm not lovable. But I'm here to tell you, God don't care about your personality. He doesn't care about your color. He doesn't care about your height. He don't care about your weight. He don't care about anything about you, but all about you. He loves you. And he accepts you just as you are. And so that's one of the blessings that God does. But when you come, you have to come expecting and believing. So today, when we come today, it's not all about Labor Day. It's about coming and resting and receiving from God. And in Matthew, here's what Jesus says. In Matthew 28, Jesus commissions us. And he commissions us to do one thing. And that is to come. 
That is to come. Many of you, some of you came from Frederick, some of you came from Love, maybe some of you came from Webster, some of you came from Grantsburg, wherever you came from, you had to come from point A to point B. You had to come, you had to drive, you had to put your car in park, uh, and put your car in drive, you had to push your pedal on the gas pedal to get here. And God says, if you come, I'll meet you where you're at. You see, a lot of times what happens is we want God to come first and then we're going to come after. We're expecting God to give his first step. And then if God, you show me your first step, then I'll come. We forget and we got it backwards. God took the first step. He took the first step by giving us his son, Jesus. Now, I don't know about you. That's a pretty big step that God will give his son, stepping out and giving his best and nothing less for you and I, that he gave his best. That was the first step. So the next step, guess what? It's you. And here's what he says. Come to me. He's referring to to every one of us, that we have to come to the Lord. When I was a kid, I would go to my grandfather's farm every summer. I would spend the summers with my grandfather and my dad. My father, grandfather and my dad, they milked over 50 Holstein cattle. And believe it or not, back in the early days, we didn't have milking machines. We milked by hand, trust me. And boy, those udders would get filled with milk. You get on that thing, and you're halfway thinking your arms are burning. And we would milk these cows by hand, and then eventually we moved up to the milking machines, and then we put them in the cans, and we had the coolers. How many remember that? You poured the milk in that big thing, and it had a strainer, and it strained, and then blah, blah, blah. And but we had these cows, and every morning, about 4 o'clock, 4.30, excuse me, 4.30 in the morning to 5 o'clock in the morning, every morning, guess what my grandfather and I would do? We would walk out into the pasture, we would go on top of the hill, look down into the valley, and all those cows would be grazing. There'd be 50 or so cattle there, plus the little heifers and little calves and so on that were there in the field. But all we had to do was yell these words, come boss, come boss. Come, boss. And as soon as we yelled, come, boss, guess what happened? The herd leader or the herd cow, which her name was Hardy, by the way, would lift up her head, and she would find the path of least resistance and started walking up that path towards what? The barn. Why would that cow, who we say that, and I hate to say it if you're a cow lover, they say that cows are one of the dumbest animals, but why would that cow respond to the word come? Because that cow knew that there was something waiting for them in the end. What was waiting for them? If they would come to the barn, they would find what? Food, water, bedding, and being relieved from being milked. In other words, they had common sense to know that if I come, I'm going to receive or I'm going to be blessed. Whenever Jesus asks you to come, he asks you to come for a purpose and for a reason. It's never to frown on you, to reject you, or put you down, or discourage you, or to condemn you. But Jesus has you to come because when you come, he wants to bless you. Now get this, he wants to bless you. Now watch this, in Matthew 28, verse 11, chapter 11, verse 28, come to me, now watch how he says this. All you who are weary and burdened, you ever feel tired? Why do we celebrate Labor Day? We celebrate Labor Day to give you a day of rest, to refocus and to refresh, to get you set for another week and another year that's ahead till next Labor Day. But we have to come. He said, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. 
You see what he says? You see what Jesus says? But you have to come. Jesus is saying, come, boss. Come, boss. He's saying, come, CJ. Come, Larry. Come, Molly. He's saying our names. Come. Because Jesus is beckoning us to come because he knows that there's something better for you, but he's waiting to see if you're going to respond. You see, the cow was smart enough to know that if I come, I'm going to be refreshed, I'm going to be fed, I'm going to be watered, I'm going to be milked, and I'm going to be taken care of. But a lot of times, God is calling us to come, but a lot of times, we're just in park. And we wonder why we are forfeiting the blessings, or maybe we're not seeing things happen in our lives because we're making a lot of noise, but we're not out of park. You see, you can rem your car all you want, but until you put it in drive, it's not going to go anywhere. And the same thing in our lives, Jesus is beckoning you to come because he knows that he has something great in store for you. How many know what I'm talking about? And he says this, He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In other words, what God is saying, when you come, not only that he said come weary and heavy burden, but he said take my yoke upon me. In other words, he's going to take all your cares, all your weights, all your pressures of life, and he's going to help you through life. He's going to help you. He's going to walk through you. Now, I don't know about you. Isn't that a good thing to come to God for? Isn't that, man, if God's going to do that, I don't know about you, but listen, a lot of times what happens, Jesus says, weary and heavy burden. You know what burdens are? Burdens are like weights. If there are any weightlifters here, I don't know about you, but when I was playing sports, I used to lift weights. And when I lift weights, man, I would always, man, excel. And I was always wanting to always go up, maybe five more pounds or ten more pounds. And every time I went up, man, it made me feel a lot stronger, obviously, right? But guess who I was always there when I couldn't get that last rep up? It was called a spotter. And a spotter, what a spotter does is that you maybe get to a close to a point and you're so straining and you can't make it anymore and you're halfway up and you're like, oh, I can't get it on the bar. And what is a spotter's role? It's to take or to eliminate the weight or the pressure off you. And that's the same way with God. When you come, he becomes the spotter of your life and takes the weight or the burdens or the cares off you when you can't go no more. I can't take it anymore. My life is falling apart. Things are happening in my life. And God reaches down. And he puts it on the rack. Jesus is your spotter in life. But you have to come to him to receive his rest. You see, listen, I always say with every action, there's a reaction. I mean, that's true. With every action, there's a reaction. So what is the action? Here's the action. Our action is to come to God. That's our action. This is my action, putting one foot in front of the other. Now, what do they say? Faith without works is dead. Don't just be hearers of the word, but also what? Doers of the word. So you got to put into practice that what you've learned, put into practice that what you have received. That's why it says in Philippians 4, 9, put into practice. He says, be anxious for nothing and all those great things. And then after he says all those things and lay your request before God, he said in verse 9, then put it into practice. You put it into practice by walking it out, by coming to God. That's your action. But now watch this. God's reaction is to give us rest. Do you see what God does? You do your part, 
That's taking the second step. Jesus took the first step. You take the second step, and guess who's going to meet you? Isn't that exactly what happened to the prodigal son? When Jesus saw him appearing over the hillside, what did Jesus do? He overreacted. He ran to him. And that's what Jesus does to you. When you take the first step in coming, in coming, so many times we eliminate the blessings and the things that God has in store for us, and we shortchange ourselves in life, in our spiritual walk with God, because we're unwilling to come. And with every action, there's a reaction. God says, if you come, God's reaction is to give us rest. And you know, a lot of times when you think about rest, it's not laying down, man, in your sleep number bed, man, putting it on 35 or 37 or 45, like the one I brought from Dan at the garage sale outside for $100, thank you, Jesus. Man, my wife puts hers on medium. I put mine on hard. Boy, I'll tell you, I like that bad boy, right? And it helps me to sleep better. I'm not talking about that. But you know what Jesus does? Jesus gives you rest. And you ever think about this? When you think about rest, where it starts right here, rest in your mind. Where does it always start in your mind? Because your mind is where the battlefield takes place, where the enemy comes at you. If the, he didn't come against your mind, man, it takes care of your emotions. It brings you down. It defeats you. It discourages you. All these things. And how many of you know that the enemy doesn't fight fair? The enemy, when he comes at you, he comes at you with the whole peanut gallery. He comes at you with every kind of voice, every kind of obstacle, every kind of thing to try to distract you. But Jesus said, I'm going to give you peace that passes of all understanding so that you can make proper and correct decisions. So when he says rest, he's not just talking about laying down in your sleep number. He's talking about giving you rest in your mind, rest in your spirit, rest in your heart, rest in your soul. You ever have said this before? Man, he or she has a restless spirit. How many of you ever said that before? In other words, a restless spirit means maybe being out of control. What God wants to do is bring you in control and give you rest in mind, body, soul, and spirit. You see, that's what he does. And so when you come, listen to this. When you come, the needy come and they ask. The needy come and they ask. You have not because what? You ask not. So the needy come, God, I, I have needs. You see, a lot of times we equate this. If I go to God and I ask, it makes me look weak. Have you ever heard this before? When I grew up, I heard this term all the time, especially guys. Maybe you've heard this. My father, man, anytime I would ever give a little whimper or felt like I wanted to cry or shed a tear, you know what my dad would always do? Big boys don't cry. And you know what that did? It made me clam up. It made me clam up, and I had to hold all my emotions in. I had to keep my shoulders high, and I had to be this big, proud man. But inside, I was dying. I was dying inside. I wanted to cry a river. But my dad said, big boys don't cry. But Jesus said, listen, you come. You come just as you are. If you're in need, take off your big boy pants and just come as a boy. Because that's why he said, come unto me as little children. The second thing, listen, seeking, come seeking and find. Ask, knock, and seek. Matthew 7, 7, and 8. If you ask, seek, and you shall find. Knock, it shall be open, and ask, it shall be given. You see, seeking. Man, God, I'm seeking. You ever play hide-and-go-seek before? You're seeking out that person to tag. What are you seeking out? you got to seek out God. 
And when you tag that person, guess what? They become it. You see, listen, when you start seeking out God, man, you start seeking him out. And finally, man, when you make connection with God, guess what? There's power in that connection. There's power. You take an electric fence, man, and you detach it from one another so the current can't go through it. And guess what? It's no power. So you can touch it. You can touch it. But once you put it back together and you put that filter and that thing there together, and man, what happens? All of a sudden, the current starts going. That's the same way. When you seek him, man, you're going to make connection with him, and the power of the Holy Spirit's going to flow into you, touch you, bless you, and minister to where the need is great. Another one, come thirsty. Thirsty, let him come and drink. Let him come. A lot of times we equate thirsty or physical need as water, but he's talking about thirsty. Some of you, maybe you've been a Christian all your life, and you're feeling like, man, my relationship with God is like dry toast. Man, my relationship with God is dry, it's empty. Man, it's just not fun. It's maybe a, even a drudgery with God. And Man, I don't seem like I'm hearing him. I can't understand him. It's not because you have wax in your ears and you need a Q-tip. It's maybe because you stopped coming. And because you stopped coming, now you become parched, dry, stagnant, stale, and stinky. And when you stop coming, that's what happens. You become dry. And your tongue starts sticking to your mouth spiritually. And what happens, God said, when you come, come seeking and I will fill you. The hurting, come and heal. When you're hurting, God wants the hurting to come. He heals, he heals the brokenhearted and he binds up your wounds. So many times, get this now, get this. So many times we have a lot of believers. I want you to hear your pastor because I see this over and over again in counseling. Like I said, I do counseling all the time and I see this over and over again. So many times we have people that are walking around limping, fragile, frail, defeated. Why? Because they only come to God in a physical healing. They only come for God when I have a broken arm, when I have cancer, when I have sickness in my body. But God, when he says, come healed, he said, listen, I'm going to heal you emotionally, spiritually, and physically. And so what God wants you to come is you're feeling down emotionally. Maybe you're feeling discouraged. Maybe you feel like one to take in your life. Whatever it may be, God says, no, you come. I heal you physically, spiritually, and emotionally. He heals you from the crowns of your head to the soles of your feet, but you have to come. But so many times we only come when I have a earache, when I have something going on in my body. But what happens is your healing maybe needs to be healed emotionally. Maybe you have emotional scars that someone said something to you and it's cut you like a knife and that's been your trap all these years. And God wants to heal you. Another one, the weary come and find rest. Rest for my soul. Rest for my mind. Rest for my spirit. So how do I come? I'm moving quickly. How do I come? The way you come to God, first and foremost, you come humble. You got to come humble. God doesn't look for full. He looks for empty. You come to God just humble. God, I'm letting go of my pride. I'm peeling back these onion layers in my life, and I'm just coming before you. Listen, that not full of yourself, but longing for him. James 4.10 says, listen, I love what James 4 said. He says, listen, humble yourself before the Lord, yourself, individually, yourself before the Lord. And guess what he said? And he will lift you up. He will lift you up. You ever done this before? You ever taken a helium? 
Man, we give them upstairs, the kids, man. My kids, when they're full of helium, have you ever done this before? Poke a little hole in when the balloons are all done and the birthday party is over. The fun part about a helium is putting a little hole into it. Sucking it in. Hey! Right? How many know what I'm talking about, right? Right? But you know what? The more helium you put into the balloon, guess what? The more it's able to lift up. But what do you do when you tie a balloon of helium? You usually have those little stands that you tie them to to weight it down so it what, doesn't fly away. Do you know what happens with you? When you come, get this now, get this. I want you to see this analogy. When you come before God, he cuts off the burdens, the weights, the cares, the concerns of your life, and he lifts you up. And if you look at a balloon, isn't it fun when you let it go? And it just goes up and up and up and up and up. And before you know it, it flies away and you're like, wow, that's you. Jesus snips away. He's the pruner. He prunes away those things like he said in John 15. And he prunes it away so that you can fly freely. Another one, how do you come? Open. I come open. I come open, open for refreshing, guiding, and directing. I come open, God, to receive your word. After all, doesn't the Bible say that the word of God is used for correcting, rebuking, teaching, and training, right? Sometimes we don't like the correcting, rebuking, and training. We like all the moraine, but we don't like to get to the other stuff, right? We like all the fluff. But sometimes you have to get down deeper with the things of God. My, my brother, his wife is a doctor. And on Friday night, her and my, myself, Lizelle, by the way, hi, Lizelle, she's watching today. Uh, Lizelle and I were sitting at the table. Friday night, and she's a doctor. And I said, Lizelle, you and I kind of have the same thing. We have service for people. We do a lot of things for people. And I said, what is the most frustrating thing for you as a doctor? This is her words. She said, the most frustrating thing for me as a doctor is this. I have patients come in, and I'll tell them their symptoms, and I'll help them through what they need to do and what they got, the steps that they got to take care of and how they got to do all these things to get better. And I'll tell them, and I'll give them prescription and help them out. And then they're back in my office two weeks later. And she says, the frustrating thing is, it doesn't matter what I tell them, they're just going to do what they want anyways. And they don't follow through with the instructions to get better. So she says, it's like, man, why waste your money and come and see me? He's paid all that doctor bills when you're not going to do it what I tell you to do anyways. And a lot of times that's the same way with God. God wants you to come open so that he can correct you. Now, you got to get this. You got to get this. God never, hear this. Hear your pastor. If I say anything today, God never leads you down a dead end, Jeff. He never leads you down a dead end. Dead end means that's the end, period, point blank. But God leads you down the path of righteousness for his namesake. A dead end is the Dead Sea, where it becomes stinky, stale, and stagnant. But the path of righteousness leads to life and life more abundantly. So he wants you to be open. How else do you come? You come expecting. I come expecting. You know what happens a lot of times? The enemy has defeated many of you. You have believed the lie. And here's some of the lies that maybe you have believed. Does your God really answer your prayers? He didn't answer them before. Why do you expect it now? Man, why do you think God's going to answer your prayer? Who do you think you are? 
So you have these voices in your mind that always are questioning God, challenging God, challenging your faith, challenging does God really answer your, uh, your prayers. And not only that, the second thing, the reason why you don't expect anymore, because maybe, just maybe you prayed, and when you prayed, you didn't see results. And because you didn't see results, you kind of put yourself in there. God doesn't love me. If he loved me, he would have answered my prayer. God doesn't care about me because if God cared about me, this wouldn't have happened, and I wouldn't have lost this one, and this wouldn't have lost that one. And so we've lost our expectancy. And so therefore, what happens is we're walking around Christians. We walk not by faith, but we're walking now by sight. The opposite of what God's called us to do. I walk by faith and not by sight. But what the enemy has got you doing is walking by sight and then by faith. And we've lost our expectancy. I'll believe it when I see it. The pastor here from Missouri, show me state. I believe it when I see it. So we've lost that expectancy of faith. Doesn't Hebrews 11 verse 1 say, the very first word of Hebrews 11, 1, now faith is. Today is your now day. Today is your now day. Now I'm getting my miracle. Now God's doing this. Now this is going to happen. Some of you need to get your expectancy level back up again. In Psalms 5 verse 3, I love what David says. Look at what he did. He took his one-a-day vitamin early in the morning. I mean, you take your vitamins first thing in the morning, right? That's what David did. This was his vitamin early in the morning, praying to God. Early in the morning. In the morning, Lord, hear my voice. Hear my voice. Listen to this. How many, seriously, I want to see a raise of hands. Uh, Amber, how, how many, can you, uh, Amber, you know your mom's voice. Now, how many, Amber, if you're in a crowd and your mom yells out Amber, are you going to identify your mom's voice? Amen. You see that? Now, let me ask you, how many, if, you, if your mom yelled out your name, you would identify her voice? All right? You would identify the voice. Guess what? Now, get this. You will identify the voice over the crowd. Over the crowd. Now get that. Over the crowd. And the reason why David said you hear my voice is because Jesus identifies the voice over the crowd. He knows your voice. He knows your every hair on your head. And he identifies your voice in time of need. So he says, that's my son. I hear his voice. He's crying out to me. And when a, your son or your daughter cry out for help, what's your first reaction? Run to their aid. What do you think Jesus does? David says, early in the morning, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you, my burdens, my cares, my situations, my struggles of life. But look at what he said. And I wait in expectation. The hardest part is waiting. I wait in expectations. Acts 3, verse 5. Go ahead, Andrew. Acts 3, I'm going to be done. I want to. So the man gave him this. This is the beggar referring to Acts 3, verse 5. So the man gave them his attention. Expecting, now get this, expecting to get something from them. I expect a miracle. I expect a miracle.
expect a miracle. Now, I'm going to tell you something right now. This is God just telling me right now. I don't know this young man right over here in this blue shirt. What, what's your name, young man? Levi, the, God said you're an all-American. God's blessing you. He's gifting you. You're going up. I don't know you. I, have you ever talked to me before? I don't, I, I don't know you from Adam. I want to tell you something, young man. You're going up. God's getting ready to bless you like never before. This is your season. This is your year. This is your time. God is using you. Get ready. Get ready. You're going to a position of elevation. God is blessing you. I see you as a captain, as a leader, as a director, as a God leading out front. Get ready. All-American. That's your title. All-American. All oh, man, I don't even know that kid. Boy, I tell you. Whew. Pastor, that dude. Wow. Get ready. Get ready. Shelly expecting. Expecting. Expecting, Nadine. Expecting. It's your time. Come on, man. You're free. You're free. You're free. Come here. Come on. expecting now. Mark, get your expectancy level back. Don't let the enemy steal, rob, and destroy. And what he does, he takes away. You're expecting. Why should I expect? God doesn't do it. He hasn't done it before. Why should I expect it now? That's a lie. And the Bible says in John 8, 44, he's a father of lies, the author of confusion. He doesn't speak the truth. He speaks with a foreign tongue. And he wants you to believe a lie. I promised I was going to be done. You could look at the back page. Waiting. As you wait upon the Lord, He'll renew your strength. As I close, and you can read the back part of your notes, but Rachel, as you wait on the Lord, I got a car, okay? My car. And then how many of you got a truck? Amen. I got a truck like yours, amen. I love it when I go to the gas station with my car. Her car. <laughs> Her car. Let me rephrase that. We got a car. But I love it when I go to the gas station with my her car. Two reasons. You know why, Jeff? Because it takes less time to fill it and it costs less. But when I take my F-150 there, it's like, doom, 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 doom. And yeah, the till is ding, 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 ding. Man, it gets $50, you're like, stop! But you know what I noticed something? There's cost in waiting. I gotta get this, I'm closed. That's in that, I gotta get to this part. It was in the back page. But there's cost in waiting. I'm gonna tell you, listen, listen. Please, your miracle could be one second later. Your miracle could be one minute later. Your miracle could be one day later. God doesn't say how fast you have to go. He says just keep going. 
God doesn't look for the marathon or the sprinter. He said, this is a journey. You just keep waiting, keep believing, keep expecting. You see, you don't conquer Rome overnight. It wasn't built overnight. You weren't built overnight. I'm turning 59 years old. That's 59 years of being built, and I'm still being built. Deep and deep and wide, right? And I'm still being built. My point is, listen, there's cost. There's cost in being built. There's cost in waiting. Don't quit. Galatians 5, verse 9. You may stand with me. It says, do not become weary. Do not become weary. Karen, do not become weary in well-doing. How many of you are ready to throw in the towel? How many are ready to quit? Do not become weary in well-doing. In doing good. For at a proper time. Rachel, you will receive a harvest if you do not quit. If you do not quit. How many are ready to bail? How many are ready to quit? How many are ready to throw in a towel? That's the easy way out. But staying in there. You see, quitting is taking the path of least resistance. But staying in there is fighting the fight. It's slaying the, slaying the enemy. I want you to bow your heads with me for a moment. As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed this morning, Pastor Sherry, I want you to come on up here. As your heads are bowed, we're going to pray for you. Man, our staff, we're going to pray for you at staff. But you say, Pastor CJ, man, I'm tired. And I man, just need you to pray for me, Pastor CJ. I'm not going to have you come forward. But you say, Pastor, I need prayer today. Will you pray for me? I'm tired. I need a breakthrough. I need a miracle in my life. My wife and I are standing here where two or three agree it shall be done. But you say, Pastor, will you pray for me? If that's you, just lift your hands up. Come on. Look at these hands all over the place. Look at this. Wow. Look at this all over the place. Wow. Just keep them up for a second. Check it out, Pastor Sheriff. It's hard to see in the back because I got the lights in my eyes. So, Amen. Amen. Man, man, oh, oh, look at all those hands. They're still going up. Still going up. Still going up. Still going up. Yes. Amen. Still going up. Another one still going up. Another one over here still going up. Another one over there still going up. Look at that. Still, still right over here going up. Look at that. Right here going up. Right here going up. Going up. Look at that. Look at that. Still going up all through this place. Look at this. Three-fourths, probably. Another one right here still going up. Another one going up there. I'm going to count to three. Don't miss this call. One, you say, Pastor, I need prayer. Two, anyone else? Three. Father, where two or three agree, it shall be done. Today, my wife and I have seen the hands that were raised, and we're standing in agreement for them today. We're standing, Father, in agreement where two or three agree, it shall be done. And, Father, we're joining our faith with their faith today. And, Lord, you know every need, every situation that these individuals are going through right now. 
But, Father, great is your faithfulness that morning by morning new mercies they will find in you. And I pray in the name of Jesus that you will meet them right now where they're at. They came, Father. They came by signaling of raising of hands that they were coming, God. Now, Father, may you do your part. The reaction is to meet them right where they're at. Bless them. Encourage them. Strengthen them. Ignite them, Father, again into the path and the plan that you have for their lives. Lord, we thank you that you are the hope and the restorer. And we give you all the thanks and all the glory. Bless them now, we pray, and go with this wonderful, wonderful congregation. Bring us back Wednesday night at 630, and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you today. Come on, give the Lord praise. Amen. God bless you today. Have a great day in Jesus. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Adventure Church. Would you consider a financial gift to help support this ministry? Giving is simple and safe. Just go to our website, www.adventurechurchsiren.com, and click on the Give tab. Thank you for your generous gift.